Remember, I'm in the business to lend hard money. You approach me and you want to borrow from me. It's kind of like when you're in like high school or grade school and they tell you everybody in the class starts with an A and you work yourself down to a B, C, D. It's the same thing on this. I want to fund your deal, but you talk me out of it through the process because I, I have money to lend and I want to lend. But unfortunately, too many people don't know their deals. They don't have a plan. They don't have a clear cut exit strategy. Remember, hard money is only a tool in your toolbox. The Deal Machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing. All right. Welcome everybody to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast, where our mission is to give you everything you need to know to get into real estate investing. And on this episode, we're going to answer that question so many people have about how can I become a real estate investor if I don't have enough money to take down a whole property? So of course, you can do this thing called wholesaling, which is exactly what my co-host Ryan Haywood did. Back in 2019, he took a 14-day wholesaling challenge um, and did his first deal and made 8,500 bucks and has gone on to make 490 deals since then. We are just waiting for the 400th deal to celebrate that. Um, and so, We've also got a very special guest. I'm genuinely very curious about Patrick Rigg, who's actually been a private money lender for Ryan to do some projects that I'm going to ask about, and I can't wait to learn. And you guys got to know, Patrick went from frozen foods manager to starting PMR properties in 2005. And so he's actually developed quite a big real estate portfolio that I'm excited to learn about, as well as becoming a private lender. So Ryan, thank you so much for bringing Patrick on. And Patrick, yeah. thank you so much for being here. It's kind of cool the way that uh, Patrick and I's relationship has evolved because originally uh, Patrick was our one of our investors, one of our cash buyers. Uh, and uh, when you were it is, yeah, when I was wholesaling. And it is kind of a fun story because... Uh, when I first tried to reach out to him, he wouldn't talk to me. And it wasn't until I told him that I was a Green Bay Packer fan that he thought, okay, now I'll talk to this guy. Is that story, does that ring true on your side too? That's, that's not quite how I remember it. Um, but yes, that's how, that's how Ryan tells okay. the story. So recent in recent months or recent in the last 12 months, um, Patrick has kind of transitioned into being a lender for me on some deals. And that's where I think that, I mean, we, we want to hear more about Patrick's, the growth and the ascension of his portfolio and how that happened. Uh, but also from your perspective and my perspective on how we orchestrate deals and how other people could uh, potentially orchestrate deals when they don't have uh, the funds to get started in it. So Pat, I'll let you kind of take away, um, give us a little bit of a recap on where you started sure. from 05, how you, how you got to where you are now. Um, just give us a little brief rundown. Yeah, and you guys can obviously steer the conversation if you if I'm going somewhere that that you don't see beneficial, or I can elaborate more on something that you would see beneficial. But 
one of the one of the things I always like saying to people, and one of the things that I like to bring up is the cool thing about real estate is you can have hundreds, thousands of people in the business, and none of us will actually touch each other. So it's one of the few businesses where I can work with you, Ryan, and I can work with ten other guys. And by me working with you, I make your better bit your business better. At the same time, it makes my business better. Okay. Whereas the industry yeah. I came and you're saying from, that because there's just so many properties. Well, there's not only different properties, but there's so many different niches. So, so, so for example, I do one thing and one thing only. Okay. I buy a lot of class B and class C properties, single family and small multifamily properties. Okay. But then I only buy in certain geographic areas. So, I don't get into trailers. I don't get into storage units. I don't Actually, get into I class that. A. You know, so my niche. My it looks niche, like you buy in Nebraska and Missouri, right? No, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, and Oklahoma. So, okay. So what? My, my niche is how so did you pick small. them? How did I pick them? That's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's. I, I could have an hour. I could have an hour conversation on what I look for and why I look for it. But once again, what and why I want something is totally different than why you or Ryan may want something. So, but that's the deal. Nobody, or very close to nobody, really steps on my toes because I don't wholesale. I don't wholetail. I don't. I I don't do commercial. I don't do. I don't do flips. I don't do new construction. You, you, you know, I do so little. I can help other guys along the way and they can help me. Whereas where I came from in the food industry, everything you put in your mouth competes with one another. Whether I go to Aldi and I buy a piece of chicken competes with me going to Chipotle versus me going to Texas Roadhouse. It's all a competition for share of your stomach. So everything you put in your mouth, whether whether you're eating it in your home, in a restaurant, whether if it's Chinese, Mexican, or American food, it's all competing for share of stomach. But in real estate, we don't have that. So it's the one of the few industries that I've ever seen that you and I can work together and we both make each other better. So anyway, anyway, Yes, yeah, started started a long time ago buying Class B, Class C single family rentals. Um, built up a relatively sizable portfolio. Um, if numbers matter, I think today I hold little over a thousand rental units. Um, I don't have partner. I have very very limited partners, but everything is owned by me and in, in, in LLC. So there's no syndication or anything like that. Uh, when the market got expensive about two years ago. I was one of the people calling for the collapse of everything. And I said, Hey, I just can't keep doing this just because when I got into the business, the, the, the cap rates and the metrics were totally different than they are today. Um, and I really, really struggled to get my hands around that. So I kind of pulled back from buying relatively. I pulled back from buying. I was still purchasing about five to 10 places a month, but you know, all things considered, it was still a smaller number. So I started ending up kind of amassing a bunch of cash. Um, and that's not good either. So I came up with the idea that I wanted to turn the money back into the market. 
Um, and the best way for me to do that was to get into the hard money business. Um, as Ryan said, I had worked with him on, correct me, Ryan, but I think within a course of four or five months, we probably did a dozen deals. I mean, there were some yeah. months I think yeah, that we closed, yeah. we would close four or five houses at a time. Um, mm -hmm. And again, going back to what I said before is I meet with hundreds of people. Um, that's to Ryan's point. Like I didn't acknowledge him. I don't remember it that way, but I will say within a day, I probably get back up, maybe not a day, but a week. I get 10 new wholesalers a week between Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, all hitting me up. Um, and you really have to, and this is going to go to something, you really have to kind of learn who are your people who are, who are legitimately trying to be in the business versus your guys who are just trying to make a quick buck. Um, so early on, I really thought Ryan was the real deal. I mean, I felt like he was probably one of the best, most honest wholesalers I had ever met. Um, I don't know. And then Ryan, refresh me. Did you approach me about if I would help fund some stuff or did I even approach you? I think you had mentioned in conversation and then I, then I said, well, actually I have a deal that I'd like to try that on. I think that was, you'd mentioned this is something that you're wanting to get in, into to let you know. And it just so happened I had one we hadn't locked up financing for. And so uh, we gave that one a go. And then it's kind of just evolved from okay. there. Well, Ryan, what number deal was that for you? Uh, what number deal that we secured with Pat? Did you? Yeah. What, when was he the cash buyer? Like how many deals uh, had you done oh, by the time okay. you so, bought one? Back in 2020, is that he became the second buyer for us. Our first buyer um, had bought, I don't know, 19 or 20. And then we met with Pat. It was probably, it was in spring. So I would say March, April is when we, of, of 2020, when we mm -hmm. first started working together. Um, did, you, did you end up posting that somewhere where he saw it? Um, I think, okay. So I think no, at you, that no, time I was still that's putting it. stuff. Yeah. That's, that's when you sought me out. I did. I, I found you, but I don't remember how I found, I think I was trying to message you on, on uh, Facebook, I think is how it happened. Yeah. We had a mutual friend. Messenger. Yeah. We had a mutual friend. I was relatively yeah, yeah, new to Missouri. Um, but once again, eh, and everybody's experience is different, but I would say for the new people, and God, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, but I guarantee you, I don't for the life of me understand why more people won't follow this next two sentences that I'm about to say, make connections and follow through with them. I mean, everybody thinks, and now I'm gearing this towards the new guys, Okay. And this is what separated Ryan from the rest of them. Everybody is on Facebook preaching about, I'm going to choose my words wisely here because I'm definitely a foot and mouth kind of guy. Um, everybody <laughs> loves to quote the book they read or the seminar they went to. And they love saying stuff like, 
you guys help me out. Your net worth is your circle, whatever. There's a little network. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But these guys post that stuff all day long, but they don't practice what they preach. You know, I mean, I'm going to date myself here, but 20 years ago when I got into this business, it was a totally different world. And I was the young guy. And what made you successful then is different than what makes you successful now, because there was no such thing as technology. The internet was just becoming a thing. So what I did was I joined a bunch of the local, they call them landlord meetings back in those days. And I joined those landlord meetings and they were ran by a bunch of 65 year old curmudgeon men, you know, um, who just hated life and hated the world, but they own massive amounts of real estate. And I got in, I met with these guys and I would do stuff like just call them the next day and say, Hey Jim, can I buy you lunch? And they would just step back and be like, geez, this is insane. Um, and then they would see me out doing things like mowing my properties or painting them. And remember this is a long time ago, so it's a different market, but I believe where every, where their one opportunity closes, another one opens. The new people, you need to find the opportunity today. I have ideas on what they are, but again, that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, back in those days, not only was it easy, but these older gentlemen would call me and say, I'm getting too old for this. My kids don't want it. I have, and I'm going to make this up. I have 85 units I want to get rid of. And I'm like, well, here I am. I'm 25 years old. And I'm like, I don't have any money. And they're like, we don't need money. We just see you all working on these places. We'll carry the contract for you. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about, but but you know, so I built up about probably about 250 units in a couple of years just by that. And, and, and the thing spiraled out of control and I don't want to get too far out of whack, but all these new guys, they think posting on Facebook and here we go. When I say Facebook, I'm talking about it's transcendent of all social media. I mean, Facebook's the only social media thing I even know about. So when I say Facebook, I mean, Twitter, Instagram, you know, whatever's out there. But, but these guys think making a couple of Facebook videos where they pull up in a nice Mercedes holding a stack of $100 bills, talking about how much money they make is equivalent to them putting in the grind and making the connections. But it's not. But it's not. If I could tell you how many people reached out to me or diligently tried to track me down like Ryan, Jesus, I don't think I think I could count them on, on my on my two hands. OK, now. Once you get the front door open, that's the next step is what do you do with it? Because again, foot and mouth here, but 50% of the wholesalers I meet with, I, th I think they're idiots because they're uneducated. They hit me up. They don't know their own deal. They lie to you. Jesus, ask Ryan how many times that I've told him that I've bought deals from him sight unseen, no knowledge, just based on the fact that I believe in Ryan. But I get these wholesalers just. But that takes a lot of time, and we should get into that because I think that that's a good point. And I think I've tried to make that aware to when we're talking about how to present a deal. Um, even I, I don't remember what episode. That's it right. Was we have now, an episode. We have an episode on how how Ryan likes to present a deal. So that might be. Well, a good Ryan's one good at it. That could be. That could be the one. Ryan's good at it. And once again, this isn't a thing about wholesaling per se like this conversation, 
But the thing is, when you make your connections, you reach out to somebody like me. I like to think I'm seasoned or unveteraned and I'm somebody that the newer guys want to know. Make the effort to get to know me, but don't lie. I mean, I can't tell you how many of them just, just bullshit you and then you fact check them. The problem becomes at that point, remember, remember, if I'm getting 10 a week, I don't have more than five minutes to vet your deal. And once I punch a hole in it that you're lying to me, you're done. I just delete it and I move on. So, um, so move forward. So I, so I meet up with Ryan. I like everything about him. I find him honest. He's genuine. His deals, and God's honest truth, I think some of the deals he got me were just some of them are turning out to be money pits, but it wasn't like Ryan deceived me on it. That's the key, key difference. I don't expect everything to be golden, but he was honest with it. Um, so I had that relationship. With Can him. I ask yeah. you a couple of questions? Yeah, yeah. I find this very fascinating and you're very well spoken. I, I love where this is going. So what are some typical lies that you think a wholesaler might, a new wholesaler might accidentally find themselves making. Mm, I think, and I want to give them, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So if you ever caught me one-on-one, -on -one, I might modify my answer here a little bit, but I believe, <laughs> I want to believe a lot of them are just ignorant to their deal. Um, they don't understand the, if you don't know the answer to the question, go get the answer to the question. Just don't tell me, you know. Um, oh, that's great advice. It's okay to say, I don't know, yeah. basically is what you're saying. Tell me you don't know. Let me give you a list of questions and go get me the answers. But the problem is, the problem is a lot of these wholesalers don't know the first question to even get from their potential, I don't know what you guys call it, from your seller. They don't even know. So they come into these deals and they're so excited because I just got my first deal under contract. And all they did was spend all their time, effort, energy, trying to get that deal under contract, but they don't think how they're gonna present it on the back end. So they hand me a turd. And I got basic questions like, like how much is, is it occupied? Some of them don't even know if it's occupied or not. Okay, wow. Remember, I'm buying in four, kind of five states. I've been trying to get into Kansas. I don't have anything there. So, um, but I'm looking at all my deals virtual, more or less. I don't go, I'm not, I, I'll buy these things cash, sight unseen. So again, credibility and quality of information becomes pretty, pretty important. So when I ask questions like, is it occupied? Mm, I think so. Um, well, I'm not sure. Well, that's important. Can you figure that out? Well, yeah, it is occupied. Um, how much is the rent? Mm, I'm not sure. Um, okay. Is, is the tenant paying all the utilities? Mm, yeah, I really think they are. Okay. So then I dial up the, I just, then I do my due diligence. I'll get on whatever assessor's page, find out who the owner is, call the utility company and find out the owner's paying water. Well, now, because you lied to me or you, li you lied, you didn't purposely lie to me, but you lied to me through lack of understanding of the deal. Now all your credibility is gone, you know? So what I would say as a wholesaler is 
think about this like you're buying a business. If you were going to buy this business, what would you want to know about it? You know, um, present everything to me. Uh, and that's like the big separator where I find a lot of these guys to be very disingenuous in that way. And it turns me off. Now, I'm not saying I don't buy the deal with them. I, I'm not saying I don't buy the property. Mm -hmm. I'll buy it. But there's no relationship. I delete their phone number out of my phone and I move on, you know. So obviously. You're buying because you already know the value. You know I'm the market. You with the deal. You know that when sometimes they bring they bring you a deal and it's like well i already know that this is a good deal so you're going to do it regardless yeah. but the presentation in that could have established a relationship that would have led to you doing more business with them absolutely and that, that that's the biggest understatement it, it goes as far as this i have wholesalers that i like or i believe in to the point when they send me a deal even if it's not an area or the metrics don't look like what I want. Remember, I have a very tight buy box. Um, even if it falls outside of that, if I like the wholesaler, in a lot of cases, I'll give the deal, I'll give the deal more, a lot more time. I'll buy things that maybe are fringe deals, but I'll buy them just because I feel good about that wholesaler. Okay. Now on the flip side, mm -hmm. I'll have a wholesaler where I'm like really kind of like, eh, I'm not sure about the deal, but I don't feel good about the wholesaler. So remember, money is very, very finite. If I look at 10 deals a week, I maybe can only buy three or four of them. So if you're deal four or five, you're a deal that in the, in the next week I might have purchased, but I didn't buy that week. So you being that guy that has the relationship with me is the factor that can make, make or break the sale, you know? Um, so relationships and networking, again, I, I go back to that because everybody talks networking on every Facebook page, on every podcast, but sending me a friend request on Facebook is not networking. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I've got a, I've got a hundred. What's a good way to network? What is a good way to network with you if you don't have a deal yet? Or should they go find a deal and then bring it to you? Because that's where I got caught up Great. because I didn't have a deal or – go ahead. Great question. I mean, great question. And I think it comes back to what do you want? Like what are you – what what do you want to achieve? Because, um, yeah, a lot of wholesalers hit you up. <laughs> And they say, hey, I just want to make this connection. Can, 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 I, can I send you my deals? I'm, of course you can send me deals, buddy. You know what I mean? I'm in the business of buying. But they don't really offer any value. You know, um, just sending me a Facebook request and saying that you're going to about to be a wholesaler. Wonderful. You know, um, no, what should you do? You should know what you want. Like go into the conversation with me knowing why you're trying to talk to me. Um, what I hear from most wholesalers, and correct me on this one, most wholesalers, not all of them, but wholesalers see wholesaling as a means to an end to get to become an investor, is what I hear from a lot of them. Oh, I want to do this for two, three years. Yeah, so it's I can a stepping stone. Yeah. So here's, here's the deal. If you know who I am, vaguely know who I am, 
have a conversation with me. I mean, ask me about ask me about what do you look for when you buy? This is what I want to do. Create some kind of commonality. Ryan was smart enough to find it in the fact that we're both Green Bay Packer fans, you know? So he was able to create, he was able to create, create that link or that, you know, um, but same deal. I'm going to digress over here a little bit, but coming back to the hard, hard money, remember I'm in the business to lend hard money. You approach me and you want to borrow from me. It's kind of like when they, when you're in like high school or grade school and they tell you everybody in the class starts with an A and you work yourself down to a B, C, D. It's the same thing on this. I want to fund your deal, but you talk me out of it through the process, you know, mm -hmm. um, because I, I have money to lend and I want to lend. But unfortunately, too many people don't know their deals. They don't have a plan. They don't have a, they don't have a clear cut exit strategy. R remember hard money is only a tool in your toolbox. It's not your, they want to use me as their entire crutch. And Ryan's going to understand what I, you know, Ryan knows what I mean by that. Like they think I'm the end all be all their, to their problems. They want me to be their, be their, their, their bank, their priest, their wife, their, you know, their contractor. And they bring me all their problems. And I've called Ryan on that too. And I said, these guys just don't get it. Like they think because their contractor is late or this job ran over, uh, I'm supposed to wait on my, on my payment or I'm supposed to understand. No, I mean, and that's where Ryan's been so good. And talking about the relationship with Ryan, of course, and the development of it, and, and this is something too, lesson to be thought of for people out there. You know, we started doing deal, deal, deal. He always came through. He sent me another reason why Ryan was good. He sent me a lot of deals for me to fund. There was times I think I would have seven deals open with Ryan in the pipeline. So I got to the point where two things would happen is one, I would hold cash aside just, just for Ryan, knowing that a deal would come. And there was also times that I didn't have the cash to fund a deal for Ryan, but I felt it was my duty or my obligation, you know, to find the money. So sometimes he's like, Hey, I need this money. And I'm like, okay, wow. when do you need it? You know, cause I got to go find it. Um, so it becomes a symbiotic relationship between the both of us. But then, I mean, my interest isn't cheap. I'm going to, I'm going to right off the bat. I mean, hard money is not, is not a tool for, 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 um, deal like for long-term financing. It's a, it's a, it's a get in and out kind of game and it's smart to use if you use it right, you know, but I also know guys that I get them a hard money loan. And then I think like they want to, they want to live off of it. Like they want to, they have no intention of how to get out of it on the back end. And that's just bad business because it is so expensive. But so Ryan was using it right. He's smart. He's running a good business. He's networking. He's doing all the right things. This I'm going to be kind of embarrassed to say. So I may, I may, I may deny it, but Ryan and I, our relationship got to the point where I would fund his deals sometimes even before he would sign them. I mean, you want to talk about faith. Wow. That's true. <laughs> you know? That is true. And, and part of the thing is, once again, I'm on the road a lot. I'm traveling between offices, but I also understand 
Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Ryan needs to close a deal. It's not Ryan's problem if I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, and I haven't had the ability to sit in front of a computer and, and send the paperwork. Now, of course, that didn't happen on our first, second, third deal, you know, but that's the relationship that you build. And, and even for the new people out there, I think they want to have that day one, you know, but they have to realize you have to build, you have to build into that, you know? Um, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people get is the power of the relationship and the things that sometimes people like me will wave or work around for people. And I keep using the word Ryan, but Ryan can be anybody, you know, I'm using Ryan cause he's sitting across, across from me here. Um, but it can yeah. be anybody that, that I believe in. Um, and this, okay, here's another thing. Like I said before, work your freaking network and really work it. Like I said, I'm going to say it for the third time, sending me a friend request and posting on Facebook about how much money you make does not, does not build confidence in me for you, like, like to do deals with you, you know, actually I, it goes the opposite way. I don't want to see somebody bragging all day long. I want to see somebody who's legitimately boots on ground doing it. Um, but there's so few people who are legitimately willing to work their business. And so few people who are go-getters guys like me, I'm, I'm desperate and I'm hungry to meet the Ryan Haywoods, you know, shit. Mm -hmm. If, if I had 10 Ryans, I'd grow my, I'd grow my hard money business tenfold. I mean, it, and the reality is, do I have the money to grow it tenfold? No, but if I had 10 Ryans, I'd find a way to do it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question. How, so if you had 10 Ryans, how would you, what are some qualifying factors? If somebody comes to you and says, I've got a deal, I need to get it funded. You don't know them, but they've been referred to you through, like what are some things that you would ask so the people that are listening know if they want to go and find, you know, private money, here's how to present it. What do you look? Well, for? first off, there's, there's two kinds of private money. Okay. And this is going to trip up a lot of people. Okay. And a lot of people get discouraged. And if you don't know, you guys know, but for your, for your listeners or your viewers, um, there's, there's private money, Facebook pages. Okay. That you can go on. And you can put your deal out there and people will respond and say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And this, 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 this is kind of where people get discouraged though, because this is not a factual percentage. 90% of the people out there on my side are scams. Okay. Institutional, institutional versus actual they're, person they're, who has some private money. They're brokers peddling a dream on behalf of somebody else. They don't have the money. All they're trying to do is they're trying to make a spread um, on the money so they don't control the deal at all. So when you go out to a private money Facebook page, I can't tell you as the person looking for money. I can't tell you what to look for, but anybody who sends you back like a generic feed thing and they've got like some goofy, goofy picture, I'm not going to tell you how to vet through your lender, but 
you can kind of get telltale signs right away when they say, I lend all 50 states, I lend for 8%, 6% interest, BS. Just, just wipe them off the board. Hard money's expensive, okay? What does hard money cost? Um, legitimate hard money, 12 to 18%, no. They're even up to closer to 20% now because of interest rates are so high. Um, here's the irony too, listen to this craziness. I'm lending hard money, but I'm also borrowing hard money at the same time. I just took a $350,000 hard money loan two, three weeks ago for 19%. So it's kind of a practice what you preach. Now I'm much less than 19%, but, but the value of hard money is that relationship and the speed. So when you get on these pages and you see the every Tom, Dick and Harry out there telling you, oh, hit my Facebook page, go to this link, fill out an application, be weary. Don't ever pay money up front. Nobody, nobody should be should be hit hitting you with upfront fees. You don't want to pay anything on the upfront, okay? But the things that so I Patrick, do you have like a website or do you just always work through relationships? I work through relationships, 100% through relationships. But I found a lot of my relationships on Facebook, um, just just guys I've guys and gals that I've that I've met there. I don't know, and I can't tell you what gives me a comfort level for one or another, but I'm going to go back to the, when you start to talk to me, if I sense that you're lying to me at all, or remember, I'm using the word lying, but I don't think a lot of these guys are liars. I just think they live in fantasy land. You okay. Know? My interpretation of what you're saying, and you let me know if it's correct too, is sometimes as humans, we feel insecure when we don't know the answer. And so we'll say what you want to hear under a like a pressure situation because we think that all will be lost if we tell you the wrong answer. Yeah, and I and feel I, like what you're saying is how people are falling into that trap. And I think a lot of these guys, they live their life. Like, hey, just carpet and paint. Just carpet and paint, you know, and then right, like there's, yeah. a, you know, a, a massive foundation issue that's very clear. Well, and that comes with time. That comes with experience on knowing what to look for. Even with the wholesalers, when they don't know what pictures to send me, like they love sending me pictures of the kitchen cabinets and the walls. And I'm like, don't care, don't care, don't care. I want to see a picture of the electric service inside the house, outside the house. I want to see the height that the electric comes in. I want to see the gas meter. I want to see where the gas lines are. I want to see, I want to see the stuff that's going to cost me big money. I want to see the stuff that's going to get the city involved. You know, I don't care about the goofy stuff like the countertops and they'll send you like 10 pictures of that. And that's just, but that's just lack of knowledge and lack of experience. What I think happens with a lot of these guys and gals um, is they're new so what they've done is they've prepped themselves by reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of podcasts and seminars. And you get a lot of people out there that they make their money selling the dream. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So what happens is, is they come and they hit me up with a ton of buzzwords. And they love telling me about everything that looks like they were just reading a book. You know, now... Here's the problem that might work for another lender, but because let me, 
so kind of digress a little bit. Remember, a lot of these guys want you to go to their website and you fill out a form and all they do is there's like a code. So once that code is punched, mm -hmm. then Jimmy, who referred you to them, he gets a 1% cut, 2% cut for directing you into that, into that lender. Okay. And Jimmy's done and gone. Jimmy has nothing to do with it. He has no decision making on it. The people like me are totally different. There is no anybody else. I literally sit down, I look through your deal and I 100% say yes or no. There's no underwriting. There's no other decision makers. It's my money that I'm using. I'm not using, I'm not using anybody else's cash. This is money just sitting in my bank account. So, so all those buzzwords scare me when I talk to them. I just want you to come and tell me the deal. Tell me the deal in real. So what in the, in the deal, if I bring you a deal today, what information do you want to see in order for you to put your stamp of approval on it? You know, <clears throat> I have to like you, not like personally, but I have to like you. Like I have to sure. believe in what you're saying to me. And apart from all that, but how do I like you? I guess is what is, is what you're trying to ask is, man, I'm going to keep saying it. Don't bullshit me. You know, don't come back and tell me that the ARV in this house is 180 when it's clearly not. I mean, it's don't try and don't try and hit a home run. All I care about is getting my 12% interest back out of the deal. You know, I don't care if you're going to make $50,000 on it. You know, that's great. If you make 50 good for right. you, I still only make my thousand dollars a month on an interest rate. So don't tell me about how you're just going to home mm -hmm. run hit. I want to know how you're going to execute this thing in real life. You know, I mean, all these guys bring these grandiose plans and Ryan, you, you flipped, you've wholesaled, you own, you tell me how many of your places that you've buy and held have ever worked through like they do on paper. You know, there's always a furnace that goes bad, a roof that leaks. Uh, you, you know exactly what I'm yeah. saying, right? That's where oh, yeah. I want to hear a real world plan. I don't want to hear a plan about, about, about how you're going to do all these, all these just pie in the sky things and you're going to have some huge return. That's great. If you get that huge return, I love it, but I just want to hear your day-to-day -day blocking and tackling, you know, here's what I need to do. Here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to buy it for. Here's what I'm going to buy for. The other thing is too, some of these guys, now we're here to talk about real estate investing and no money down. And, and yes, there's a lot of that, but it's really, really, really disheartening when you work a a 40 hour a week W2 job and I've got to fund your $500 EMD to even try and like, I'm talking about somebody who's going to hold and try, you know, looking for a hard money loan and you come to me and you're buying a house. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw a number out there. You're going to buy a house for 50,000 bucks and you don't have $500 in your bank account to put the EMD down. So you need me to fund your EMD also with earnest money deposit. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to clarify that, but if no, you, that's good. Yeah. You know, if you don't even have, if you don't even have 500 bucks in your bank account now, I'm going to, once again, I'm going to contradict myself because Ryan, I remember you 
coming to be one time and you needed, I don't even know what you needed it for. You asked me for 20 grand and I wrote you a $20,000 unsecured just out of my personal check. Yeah, I'll give you, this is a good, this was a good situation uh, to have a guy like Pat in your corner, uh, in my corner. So we had two properties that we had secured a triplex and a duplex. And when we passed the deal to our lender at the time, um, they said we, we did the appraisal. Everything was good. They said both properties appraised with enough equity that we didn't even need to do any sort of down payment. But then two days prior to close, they sent us an email that said, oh, by the way, these both require 20% or 10% down. And mm. it was like, oh, gosh, like. That's we're two days before closing. Both of these properties were through realtors. So they weren't wholesale deals. They were deals that were brought to us by realtors. I had to come up with $20,000. Luckily, I had the $20,000 to make that payment happen. But that was not money that I was planning to do with that deal. So I went to Pat and I said, Can I borrow this money for this down payment? So that was the way that we structured that we have two of the units on one of those done. And when we refinance, we were able to pay Pat back and then everything's good. But having that relationship within, I don't know. I, it was right. Like it a, wouldn't have been possible if you hadn't had that relationship no. and had done those deals and that trust was built. Yep. Right. And, and Ryan, that's another, just real quick, you real did this quick deal. I, would, I just want to point one note because, because, because I will forget it. When you have a true hard money relationship to like a legit hard money relationship, not, not through where you're submitting an app online, but when you have that, the other advantage you have is speed. I mean, Ryan at times would call me mm -hmm. on uh, or text me Thursday at 8 p.m. at night and say, hey, Monday morning, 8 a.m., I need $40,000. And Monday morning, 40,000 bucks to be sitting at the title company, you know? So it really becomes having that relationship really, really, really becomes, um, like a huge, a huge, like, um, advantage. I don't know what the word would be, but it's a huge advantage in your pocket. It puts you one step over other people, you know, and now a lot of your listeners are probably mm -hmm. going to say, Oh, well, you know, I don't have family money. I don't have those friends. I don't know anybody. All I'm going to say is if you really want it, go out and find it because I can tell you from the flip side, the amount of people that I meet that are impressive and actually tell you what they want, there's not that many of them. So it is out there and it's there to be had. So yes, those are truthfully no money down deals, you know? So what Patrick's saying is a lot of the times the website that has an application, they actually are sending your information to probably multiple lenders who are like bidding on the lead, you're the lead. And then you end up getting matched with like an institution that institution would never allow themselves to help you out in a pinch or something, which is kind of what we're talking about here that Patrick did with Ryan because they had that trust and, and Patrick's the guy who he's the guy making all the decisions and has the relationship with, um, he's, he's not paying a referral fee for the lead, you know, that came through with Ryan, um, Ryan, I'm curious. So the second you, you actually sold your second wholesale deal to Patrick, how many deals did you do before you decided that 
wholesaling wasn't the best option, you know, that, that you wanted to actually flip it, I'm guessing. That's what you use these hard money loans for, right, is to flip it? So, yes, um, the Patrick will remember because he came and looked at this house. It was actually within the first month of wholesaling that some this house on Mary Street popped up and I got it for a thousand bucks that and to me I was like man a house for a thousand dollars like I don't think I can I don't think I can pass that up I think I have to keep this I didn't know what the heck I was gonna do with it yeah. uh but it was like I'm gonna buy this and then I'm gonna figure it out and we actually did like I didn't have Patrick at that time as a buyer nor a lender I think that was still our we were working on a relationship stage, but I ended up flipping that house on Mary street using 0% interest credit cards. Like I just paid for the entire renovation with credit cards with 0% interest on it. And then as soon as I got it done, I went re and refinanced it and paid the cards off. So that was like, it was fairly quick that I decided, okay, wholesaling is not the only way to exit on on these i mean i went into it with the expectation of i'm going to wholesale i entered a 30-day wholesaling challenge with the intent on wholesaling that wasn't my long-term plan my long-term plan is to get a portfolio that is going to have enough passive income to feed my family so when there are you know everybody has ups and downs in in business so when there are ups and downs in business i i know guaranteed cash flow wise i'm going to be okay that was that was a quick recognition and it really came about because there was a deal that was too cheap to pass up. So, Hey, Ryan, that actually, you're right. So now, now, now my memory gets better. So the first deal we did was on Mary. You remember? It was, yeah, it was on Mary and I yep, bought it, it out two from, blocks down. Yes. And I bought it. My our mutual acquaintance had it under contract. Yep. And yep. he was every he's everything we we're talking about. He likes to talk a <laughs> lot, he likes to steal all the money. So I went back, he couldn't get he couldn't get the deal closed. So I told Ryan and he had for five hundred bucks less than you sold it to this guy for, just because I had to go back and kind of smush it in his face. We're all friends. We're all of us are friends. We all hang out. Right, right. But anyway, right. so I did this deal with Ryan. Never went in the house, just bought it because I wanted to take it from this other guy in, in friendly in friendly fire. But at that time, yeah, Ryan was <laughs> flipping that other house on Mary Street. Now, I'm going to tell you, you may have forgotten that one. You, you had some stressful sleepless nights over that thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't forget. I, I have PTSD from that. Yes, because I remember, I mean, and that's something too that I think the new people need to hear is we sit here and we talk about our victories and all the and all the success in it. But there's a reason why I would say, once again, my made up statistics here, but 80% of the people that I'm talking to today, I won't hear from a year from now because because they won't make it. Now, they're not going to make it for a million different reasons. But Ryan, most people would have given up in this business after what you went through on Mary. You know, you remember- I agree. I had house. no choice though. I really didn't. You remember sitting in front Ryan, of that is that house? the house where you fell through and you hurt your leg? Yeah. 
That was, uh, I fell through the floor and tore three ligaments. <laughs> I don't, Pat, do you even know this? I, I tore three ligaments from my lower calf. Well, I remember you floor. falling through the floor, but I also remember us sitting on the phone at 10 o'clock at night because you were staking oh, the yeah. house out because you're, you're, now you know it was your contractor oh, yeah. who was breaking in and stealing your materials after hours. So... <laughs> So you and I were on it was the phone a nightmare. multiple nights, 10 o'clock at night, just, just shooting the breeze because you're there, you know, um, I'm talking you off the, off the ledge because it's like, you know, you're at your wits end. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot you have to go through to get to where you get to in this business, you know, and a lot of people wouldn't have the, um, the tenacity to do what you did, Ryan, you know, they would have done that Whoa. deal. Hey, I would have been buying that deal a month later from you because you would have walked away from it. Um, because again, when Facebook's not on and the camera is off, I mean, the reality is you still had to fix those problems. And a lot of guys just don't find that fun anymore. So, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah now, now that that's yeah. Patrick, I'm wondering if you had any similar stories when you were getting started in 2005, because I know that you had a job and then you were out doing work, you were painting, you were mowing. And then uh, some of these guys at real estate meetups you went to were tired. And it seems like they helped you out, right by assigning. So what did they did they kind of let you earn your way into owning some of their properties? Is that how it worked? Well, so I did create, okay, there's so many, many, many creative financing techniques. So what, and and I'm really thinking here because, you know, I'm dating myself, but the first big deal I did was 45 units and I still had I still had a W-2 job, okay? So I went to a bank. So this guy had, I'll never forget, he had he had three, no, it might've been a little, sorry, 36 units, sorry, irrelevant. He had three eight unit buildings and then some smaller single families and duplexes. So what I did was I got him to agree He had said no to carrying the note. No, I don't want that. You know, I've heard terrible things about it. All my realtors tell me like seller financing is a bad deal. And I'm like, okay, well. That's because the realtor doesn't get any commission. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I said to him is I said, okay, let me present you an idea. And I met with him in, in person. You know, I went to his house, sat in front of the table with him and And this is what I'm talking about, about remember what I said earlier about have something, have your reason for being, for talking. I didn't have anything to give this guy, you know? So I went to him and I had said, here's what I want to do. I want to go to a bank and I want to get a loan on these three single family houses. Okay. Let's, I I can't get into the, 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 I can't get into the weeds because I really don't remember it. Right. Back in those days, you could easily get 90% LTV loans. Okay. So, and again, we're talking 
15 years ago, probably even more. So the numbers are so irrelevant to today's numbers. But basically I had it worked through that I was gonna buy with a bank loan, three single family homes. The bank was gonna lend to me 90 to 95% of those loans. What was something very, very common back in those days, what was called, you're familiar with LTV, which is loan to value. But back in those days, banks would allow what was called a CLTV, which was a cumulative loan to value. So they would let you put secondary financing right in place with their first loan. Note to people, that's coming back right now. More and more banks are starting to allow these CLTV seconds. Um, anyway, so I ended up purchasing these three houses from this gentleman for like 5% or less than 5% down out of my own money. Now, he got 100% of those proceeds, which I then used that 100% to fund the down payment for all of his larger multifamily stuff. So the way he got it was he ended up getting like 15% down of his total package, but the 15% didn't come from me. It came from the banks lending on those single family houses. So what I took to him was he had told me what he wanted for purchase price. Now, this is this is kind of the this is kind of the smoke and mirrors piece. I went into him with everything printed up. I mean, remember, 20 years ago, Excel was like the only thing that you had. And if you were using Excel, you were like cutting edge technology. So anyway, I went in with Excel and I had an amortization. And I said, listen, if I give you half million dollars to buy these properties, I'm just going to throw half million out there. I'm going to give you a half million. You're going to take that. You're going to pay capital gains on this amount of money. You have all this depreciation. Da, 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 and I had all my math just figured out to the T. And I said, or, and the number was bigger than a half million, but for point of numbers is, oh, I said, or I know you don't want to carry anything, but follow this plan. I said, I'm going to get you a $100,000 down payment by taking these three properties off your hands and you're going to carry $400,000. Okay. So you still have security there. And then I, and then I went through that. I'm going to pay you this interest rate. You're going to reduce your capital gains. You're going to have income now, retirement income for the next like seven, eight years. And when I got done with, and, I, and so I, and I netted it down. I said, so here's what you make. You make 450 on this one, less all of this. So you're going to put 300 grand in your pocket. And the other one, I said, here's what you're going to make. You're going to make the same 450, but you're going to make interest on it. You're going to pay less in capital gains. You're going to shelter all this other stuff. So instead of 300,000, you're going to make, and the number was like insane different. I was like, you're going to make 600,000. And I remember telling him and I had it all laid out and I flipped the page and said, so is it worth for you to wait five years to get all your money and make an extra $300,000? If you wait five years, you make an extra like, like 300,000. And the guy just looked back wide eyed and he was like, he was like, I want to do this. And, and we closed that deal. And I, and then, and then it wasn't, but 
Eight months later, this gentleman's name was Charles. I'll never forget him. Um, Charles Bussey. He's since passed away. But so now I'm out working on these places and this other guy comes up, Tim, and Tim has, Tim might have had the 40 units. Tim had 40 units and he said, hey, I was having coffee with Charles and he talked to me about this, about this deal you structured with him. And he's like, can we do something like that? And I'm like, and I talked to Tim about his portfolio and I'm like, man, I love it. But here's the thing, Tim, you don't have any single families. He all had bigger multifamilies. He had a 12 unit, a nine unit, you know? And I said, so I, I got no money. And he's like, he's like, I've known Chuck for 40 years. And he said, Chuck said, you've been good to work with. He said, you've done everything you said you can do. He's like, I don't even need that down payment money. He's like, I just don't want to deal with multifamily wow. anymore. Jeez. So he let me in on it. Then, shit you not, three years later, another guy approaches me who's buddies with Tim and Charles. And he sells Yeah, they all me, know each other. <laughs> yes. So he sells me 70 units. And the crazy thing is on that deal, I even got his pickup truck, his tools, his all, because he had a full-blown operation, his lawnmower, his trailer, his trucks. I, got, I bought everything, lock, stock, and barrel. So, and I don't think I had any real money down on that one either. Um, that one, I did use the same financing strategy where I did go in and I financed three or four houses from them. But, but the, point, the point being though, is there's so many creative techniques that work, that work on all sides. So after those deals, I was well over a hundred units, had to quit my W2 job because I just couldn't, yeah. you know, I, 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 I couldn't keep up with it anymore. But here's the thing though, once you quit your W2 job, game over because the banks no longer like you. So be very, very, very mm -hmm. careful where I used to be able to walk into a bank and say, Hey, I want a 90%, 95% CLTV loan on these three single family houses. And they would all like fight for you to bring the deal to them. You know, like, Oh, we want it. We want it. We want it. Oh, we're going to waive this appraisal. And Oh, Oh, if they'll waive the appraisal, we'll waive any, any um, upfront fees. And they start fighting for it. And you're like, wow, this is too good to be true. And then all of a sudden you quit your W2 job and you call that same bank and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're not so interested in this one anymore. And I'm like, okay, screw mm -hmm. you guys. I'll call the next bank. They really wanted me. And then they same thing. And I'm like, and the next, the same thing. So before you quit that W2 money, be very, very, very careful that you're in a pretty secure position because the weirdest thing is though, just because you have W-2 income doesn't mean you're gonna pay your mortgage. But I think I think it's one of those things that it shows the bank responsibility. And I don't know for sure mm -hmm. because I think they put a lot of false sense in W-2 income. Um, because let's face yeah. it, when you got 80, 90 units, that freaking $1,500 a month I was making net after taxes couldn't have even, started to cover the $10,000 a month in mortgage payments I had. So let's face it. I'm spending 40 hours a right. week to make $3,000 a month net from my job. I think that's what it was about back then. I think I was making 1500 every two weeks after taxes, by the way, it was good money. Um, but I was making three grand after taxes and I had $10,000 a month in mortgage payments. So I started thinking, 
And if rents were 500 bucks, so all I had to do was clean up and turn six places a month quicker. And that would make up for 100% of the W-2 income I was making. It was a no-brainer to quit the W-2 job. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. banks banks aren't always on the same wavelength. So, you know, a little caution. <laughs> that, that's amazing the way you started like that. You, you basically found a guy who didn't want to use creative finance, but you presented it in a way that was going to make it way better for him because of what it was going to save him in capital gains and also provide that retirement income. Yeah. And then his friends wanted you to help them get rid of their property too. That's fan- I respect the way you did that. Thanks so much for, for telling awesome. us that story, Patrick. Be- before we go, Ryan, d- did you want to tell us about your new deal that you're, you're figuring well, out yeah, with a I trailer do. park? Yeah, we got um, we got a trailer park under contract uh, last night. Um, Pat, I'm going to be calling you uh, here shortly, uh, so it's good that you get to hear some details on this. So, we um, Monday we went and met with the county um, about these 11 trailer lots. Uh, it was a new. We don't know anything about trailer lots, so it was kind of, you know, a new, completely new um thing for us to look at we went down there and initially it scared me um, because they were in such bad shape but we met met with the county um and we've worked out a a structure the beginning structure of a deal with the county that we won't have any overhead so there won't be any currently there's property taxes and there's some sewer charges um and the county is actually wanting to waive those um, we've asked for a deferm- tax deferment and then to waive the sewer um, for five to ten years to help with uh, the purchase of this. They are more than welcome, are more than willing to do that because these trailer lots currently are a eyesore to the community. So originally I was thinking I don't want to buy them because I don't want it to be my headache. But now after we've had this conversation with them, I'm like, I feel like this is a really good opportunity uh, for some trailer lots. It picks me up 11 more doors. They're currently already cash flowing. This property, they bring in $1,200 a month currently. So uh, the task at hand is to to go and clean them up, raise the rents, um, and maybe buy some more down there. So it's pretty exciting. You know, it's interesting. We can New talk piece. and we can talk offline. Once again, never been involved in trailers. And I don't even know if you know this. So the largest hard money deal that I funded, I funded a half million for a trailer park in Oklahoma. Okay. The guy's killing it. Okay. He, he joked about the fact that he never even would need to pull me off the deal because he can afford the interest, but um, but we can talk offline. I will tell you though, he's having massive problems getting a bank to take him out of the deal on the back end. So, but he's killing it on money, cash yeah. He's absolutely killing it. But yep. you're gonna have to modify your exit strategy because you're not gonna be able to find traditional means to get you out of it. But anyway, banking. Hey, that's a conversation we can have next time we're talking. Yeah, that's no. a great cliffhanger to end on. That is a good one. Patrick, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. And we didn't even mention this, but I'm inspired by your fitness level that I can see by you on the screen. And when I was looking up your Facebook profile earlier, 
before we got on this call. Uh, I'm doing a, my first bodybuilding competition nice. um, this October. So I've been working hard and following a really strict diet. Well, you're way and ahead I've of me because I would never really hard as well. Yeah, I've seen I've seen you there, Ryan. <laughs> so, so is David. Right. <laughs> David has seen me in action. We've worked out together when you came, That's right? Ryan, yeah. congratulations on getting that trailer park under contract. Thanks. I'm very excited for you. And that should maybe push you over to 400 deals. I don't know if you it, call it one deal or 11 deals in one. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, but we could figure that out later. For those of you guys listening, um, you guys can find Ryan on Instagram, Heritage Home Investments. Uh, mine is DLECO. And I think Patrick is more of a Facebook guy, right? Patrick, anything else? Anywhere else you'd like them to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, just Patrick Rigg. Um, obviously, if you're in the business, there's probably a ton of mutual friends. You know what I mean? Just just so it's kind of easier to find somebody. But yeah, Facebook is the only thing I'm on. My company has a website, www.pmrproperties.com, but that's entirely on the, on the consumer side for renting places. But anyway, I appreciate you guys having me. Of course. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time if you're listening in. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.